In this valley of heart's delight, you will find life pleasurable, toil honorable, and recreation plentiful. It is, isn't it? It's weird. It's very weird. It's weird. Strange. It was a time when anything was possible, at least in the imagination. Okay, I think we yep, okay, I'm hearing myself. I'm hearing the music, I'm hearing everything, I'm hearing the voices of my past. Well, welcome to a very spooky special day before Halloween, but it's going to come out at the end of November, so really Thanksgiving episode of the Valley of Hearts Delight. <laughs> All right, let's get serious. We have a wow. serious. We have a serious topic today. For mm. once, yes. For once, all this yes. shenanigans we've been talking all about. This, all I, I'm, this, I'm prepared to. Did you read through the outline? I, I am prepared to walk all. out well, within okay, the first you, five minutes. But you I are. Got, I got through. I got through. You at least it. know what the topic is. I was trying to do what like all these weirdos do at the gym and like read while they're on like the treadmill. Who the fuck I can can't, do that? I don't know how the fuck they do that. No, you're, you're bouncing up and, down. and you can't read the word. Otherwise, you have to like hold it in yeah, front of like, you, yeah, which is just, just like outrageous. But. Dear Dr. Jones is coming in dry. I have no idea what mm-hmm. asininity we're going to be chatting about this evening, but I'm sure that it will be, in fact, asinine. Andy likes to give a screaming seagull, and he's coming in dry. He don't know nothing. <laughs> 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 I wonder if that did this right over Andy. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. A screaming seagull. Is that a reference to Steven Seagal? No, One of the greatest. No, a screaming seagull. A screaming seagull. Are you trying to say the word seagull, Anthony? Seagull. A seagull. A seagull. A you're you're a trying to pronounce seagull. 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 That's what I said. Are you sure you're not talking about Steven Seagal? No, that's no, that's a screaming seagull. So wait, you pro- <laughs> hold on. Is this a California thing? Do you actually pronounce seagull? Seagull. 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 Yeah. Seagull. A seagull. A seagull. Seagull. Am I saying it weird? Seagull? Seagull? You're saying it very weird. Seagull. Well, I also say DV, Davy Day, apparently, and I apparently say tattoo weird. Davy Day? <laughs> tattoo. Davy and a, as a in, tattoo? <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> find the Blu-ray, so I had to get the Davy Day. Davy Day. I love you, Davy Day. Wow. So that you're all scratched. Yeah, see that that went that did go. Boobies on Titanic. Jesus Christ! He's still <laughs> talking about DVDs. <laughs> My God. So, yeah, Anthony, in answer to your question, that did go entirely over my head because I had no fucking clue what you were trying to say. Okay, but do we, but okay. A now screaming that, seagull. Yes. Yes, I, I, that makes so much more sense now. But do you know what it is? It's, I'm apparently assuming it's a screaming seagull. Yep. Can we, are we ready to move on? Is that, is that what you're trying to express yeah, or would you like to elaborate, Anthony? Let's move on. Take us all right, in, all homie. All right, welcome to a spooktac- spooky, spooky, 
spooky episode of Valley Hearts of Light, even though we're kind of spooky every week. I'm Tony. With me, as always, is Care Bear Scorpion Snake. He's also known as Caden sometimes. Mm-hmm. And also is Dr. Jones, Ph.D., also known as Dr. Dr. Jones. Jones, Ph.D. I'm, I'm currently looking up Screaming Seagull on my phone. Oh, you'll be overjoyed. <laughs> yeah. Careful what website you see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Whoa! That is uh, what it sounds like. More like, ah! <laughs> I'm a screaming seagull! Uh, yeah. Care Bear. Yeah. What are we talking about tonight? I, I saw uh, the show notes, and I'm very excited. Well, you know... To be talking about... This is this. really... I feel like we've been... Uh, Doing a lot of history here because as uh as this is <laughs> and now Andy knows what a screaming scene is. Is that what you're referring can I, yes, to? Can Anthony? I can I do you want to read it? Andy? I'm not gonna read Andy, that Andy, shit. Andy, I, no, I think that's you should... no. <laughs> it's offensive. No. It's not that offensive. It's it's like a it's not like I mean, you know, it's not that offensive. It's just it's kind of funny. It's funny because no one in their right mind would do that except for a total psychopath. Yeah. Keep talking your way out of that corner, Anthony. <laughs> I do it every week. <laughs> yes, you do. I I like I like my back to the wall and I like to fight my way out. Yes. <laughs> Technically for for the time being, we're focusing on stories based around location, right? We're focusing on the Santa Clara Valley and the Bay Area. And to a certain degree, that kind of limits us to what we're talking about. I feel like we've covered a lot of history with Holy City. With Brookhart, started off with a little local legend, some local murders. But we're going to get to something near and dear to my heart, and I think Anthony's heart, too. Andy, what do you know about UFOs? <laughs> yeah. Man, fuck you guys. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you, know what I you know what I know about UFOs? They're definitely not aliens. <laughs> That's 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 probably could true. Be people, it could be people <laughs> in the future. Right. Do, do I think that Anthony, when he was a, a, a rather innocent young child, saw something that he could not identify flying through the sky? Uh, it's that, that story's technically lost in space right now. So it, it is lost in space, and even if we unlose it from space, that's fine. At whatever point, it will become Honestly, accessible. Let's tell it, we I probably like need to hear the story probably again. Probably tell it better now. Yeah, like, right. I don't know, man. It it was pretty, it was pretty spot on when you told it before. Well, yeah, I mean, it's really not all that complicated. Story. Anyway, <laughs> I had a UFO experience when I was a wee lad. I was about, I had to have been about like eleven or twelve. I was on a camping trip with my family, and I had to go pee in the bush. And this was at Pinecrest. I think so. I had it had it was like, it was like a lake where you go boating. So I like boating, like, boating, but with the seagulls, boating with the seagulls, <laughs> and. <laughs> And at, at the time, see now I, I'm dating myself because at the time the song that was very popular that was playing in the campsite was that Will Smith song, "Just the Two of Us." Remember oh, that, that was going to be great if that it was, was Men in Black. That yes, we are the Men in Black, Galaxy Defenders. Yeah, I wore that tape out. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, so yes, that the Will Smith song. But so, so you I'm were just setting the yeah, year yeah, yeah. and the thing is like it's camping, it's the, the nineties. The song. You know, the whole scene. I, I have to say, thus far, the first time you told this was much better. I got to the point. That's true. <laughs> anyway, we're, so I, it's, it's, Wait, so I'm Tony, yes. tell us about, tell us about your UFO Yes, experience. okay, yes. Jesus. <laughs> like, get to the UFO. I'm trying to, you won't let me. <laughs> All right, I went to go 
to drain the lizard, as they say. I went to go pee in the bush. And as I'm peeing in the bush, I had this nice kind of view of the lake. And and above the lake, I see out in the distance a red orb. It's just hovering there. It's not moving. It's not like it, I, it looks like it literally looks like if it was just like some sort of tower out in the distance. Red light. Didn't think of anything of it. Andy, yes, I already see strange, your face. Let strange me just... that it looked like a tower out in the distance. Yes, yes. Some, or maybe like a light on top of a tower. I, yeah. But it was like hover, but it was basically kind of all of a sudden the light starts growing. Like it starts literally like kind of pulsing. And it also starts as it's pulsing, the light actually starts like the circumference of that orb starts expanding and growing. It's like it's pulsing. And as the red light, as it pulses, the red light dims and it actually goes from being red to pink. And then it goes almost to like white, and then it like flat. It shoots off of light, like, and then it shrinks back down to its original size, like mm-hmm. back to what it used to look like. And then it shoots off into space. It like goes, like directly like, up. It, it like almost kind of like it like almost kind of like like takes a, like a turn, like it fish, like curves, fish hook jade fish hooks upwards. up. And then Caden is currently trying to describe. The hand Anthony's movements. rather <laughs> antic body gestures <laughs> that nobody listens to. Because I can't this describe it. it just goes, and it goes like right, but it, it like goes right into space and, and it disappears into the stars. See, wow. I I have to reiterate. And I come back to the camping site and I go, "Did anyone just see that?" And everyone's like, "No, I no." What are you talking about? I'm like the fucking orb that just <laughs> exploded and then like shrank back to its original site and shot into fucking outer space. I, I want to repeat my original thesis, Anthony, that I think as a young wee lad of 11 or 12, you had just experienced your first, first <laughs> orgasm, and you misinterpreted it as a UFO. <laughs> I don't think you were peeing in those bushes, Do man. Do you see lights? I think maybe he was come? Maybe he was trying to pull a screaming eagle on that poor bush. Oh. Screaming seagull? <laughs> what do you call it? A, a, a screaming <laughs> eagle. That's something completely different. Yes, apparently. So, I'm sure. So, <laughs> Uh, just as I, that's bad. probably also on whatever list you and like your 14 year old friends passed around in early high school that had all those weird things listed on it yeah probably. it's probably on that same sheet of wow, paper i'm sure it is uh, you know I, yeah anthony i do actually see lights all the time <laughs> everywhere because we live in a city Should we, okay I and, see that. okay and, and i and i was thinking because i saw the show notes and i was thinking okay like maybe we'd be good to like kind of give our before we get into the, like the, the meat of the show and like what we're going to be talking about, maybe like where it, we stand, where we all stand on actual UFOs, because like I, I was thinking, I think that's been made pretty clear. No, but what do you? I mean, do you just mean like literally like people seeing shit flying through the air that they can't explain? No, no, no. I mean like in general, like do like if like if a bunch of Nazis grabbed me and they tied me to the chair and they were like, "Do you believe in the aliens?" And so I, no, I don't know so why okay, they, you're asking about aliens. <laughs> you're, yes. you're asking about the French about... capture me, and they're like, "Do you believe in aliens?" And I'm like, "Do you believe in aliens?" And I was like, "I was like, nah, probably not." Like, so so you're you're specifically talking about aliens now, not no, I'm talking about like, the, like yeah, I'm getting like the Palladians, the Greys, the Nords, like you know, Valley. I, I don't Thor, know what any of these words like mean. the deep, like the deep. The deep alien conspiracy, Area Fifty One, like, like extraterrestrials. Like I always like. I was like, do I like believe that? Pro- like no. Like I don't think probably any of that's true. Right. The, the, but, we we haven't necessarily like. Yes, as you're talking about, we have not necessarily made contact with 
aliens that we are like actively communicating with yeah. and conspiring with and like have a deep underground base yeah. where we yeah. have like an intergalactic economy with them yeah. of some sort. Yeah. Probably I, not. Yeah, but I grew up a big sci-fi nerd. Grew yes, up, like, huge likewise. Star, yeah, a huge Star Trek nerd. I used to sit with my dad and watch like all those A&E like old school 90s do you know the area 51 and like and uh that show that leonard nimoy had like unexplained mysteries things i used to love mm-hmm. that shit as a kid i mean it's just like it, it it just you know always like uh you know kind of got my imagination going right stoked my imagination and it was always just like really cool and i, I just loved reading about it and like knowing it but i don't like again like i'm i at the end of the day i am a I consider myself more of a follower of science mm-hmm. and evidence, and mm-hmm. I and I would I would but still. But it's fun to. It's fun, fun to, to think, think about. about, and it's fun to hear the and I you know and I think nowadays we live in a time where unfortunately that used to be just kind of fun schlock to get into and just kind of you know get into and read about and have fun with, and it was always fun to listen to the crazy people talk about it. But now, unfortunately, we live in a time where it's um, it's become dangerous, which is kind of sad to me and i'm and but, i'm happy to cope with that but i guess the question is like is it actually really that dangerous right now i mean like there are jackasses out there who are spouting off incredibly inane things like alex jones well yeah tom, but like tom DeLong's organization just got a contract with the navy right yes i yeah, saw that, that is true yeah that, that it is it's an interesting time. which if you didn't know tom DeLong of blink 182 has founded an organization dedicated to Uncovering the truth about UFOs. He's yeah, do of course he has. He's got to do something. He He's no longer making millions of dollars. Yeah, like yeah. Too. There's a. Mm, mm. <laughs> That'll happen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, no, but I mean, or like I, Dan Aykroyd or all those dudes. I, I mean, Anthony. I think probably most people feel exactly this. Pretty much the same thing that you just said. Oh yeah. Like it, it's it's kind of fun to to think about. Like I mean, sure it is. Like I mean, whatever. Like. I was interested in stuff like that when I was a kid. Like I love reading science fiction and fantasy books that stoked my imagination, but at no point, like I've never like wandered around looking for like elves because I believe they're real because I was entertained by them when I read books or saw TV shows about them. Oh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, you know what ghost hunting? No, oh, well. but, but, but ghosts are not, you're, you're you're mixing a lot of apples and oranges tonight, man. You nah, went from I, UFOs to aliens well, and from elves saying, like, to just, ghosts. I'm going off my own experience. Like, where my or friends were like, are they all ghost? the same thing? Alien, ghost, ghost. elves who fly yes. around in UFOs. Who are actually just future humans. What I'm just saying is like, yeah. we Now like, we're talking time travel too. Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. We're, we're, we've already covered so Andy, basically, a lot Andy of is ground. A completely non-believer. But technically you are the only sci- actual scientist in the room. You know what? I am. I am I'm a bit of a scientist myself. I, but but as scientists, the okay. So here's the deal. Like th- this is as a scientist, that approach to understanding the world requires an open mind and skepticism, which means you never say, absolutely not, no way. I do not believe that that is possible mm-hmm. because, quite frankly, unless you have evidence that you can point to. That absolutely proves right, that there is definitive. not extraterrestrial life, mm-hmm. or like that there is no God. Like you can't claim that you know that if right. you're a real scientist, which means right. that you you always have to say, uh, based on the current evidence that is available, there does not seem to be any reason to subscribe to the existence of 
whatever it is that we're talking about, right? And that's where I find myself, right? Like, I mean, if, if, if I saw perhaps as a, like, rational adult now, not, not like a 11 or 12-year-old kid in the dark at a campsite, like, I mean, did I see a lot of stuff that was weird or hear stuff or experience stuff when I was a kid that I didn't understand? Of course I did. A lot of it's just because I hadn't built up enough life experience to contextualize what was happening and, and to understand what was, was going on. Right. Um, and there's still things that like happen. I'm like, what the fuck was that? But I don't, I don't immediately rush to assume that it's a supernatural source or an extraterrestrial source. I assume that there has to be some sort of like terrestrial, rational, natural explanation for it. And, and, and oftentimes there is, if you take mm. the time to actually, yeah. And, 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 and like here's investigate it. When I say, know? like I said, when I say I saw a UFO, I saw an unidentified you, exactly. flying object. Sure. I don't know what it is. Chances are like, okay, most likely, what is it? Is it something that's probably from earth that I just didn't understand what I was looking at at the time? Yeah. Odds are that's what happened. Yes. Right. Like yes. odds are that it wasn't a space alien or some, you know, interdimensional. It was probably thing. headlights reflecting off yeah. clouds. Uh, no, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I know I, I, I could I, I could definitely say that it was a physical object that that did something that I didn't understand and that it flew into space. Like, like I said, odds are that it was a space alien or whatever it was. <laughs> Very low. Right. Very right. low. Very extremely low. But I but I wanted to say for. This episode, I I do want to be a believer. I want to get into you it. Want I want to, to. I want believe. to. I want to believe. I want to be like a fox molder. Caden, what about you? Let's before we Me, start. I. What about you? I likewise. Uh, you know, raised on sci-fi and fantasy and all that stuff, but I remember in second grade, uh, we I basically forged a book report <laughs> by saying that I read a book about UFOs that did not actually exist. And I just wanted to write about UFOs. Hell yeah. And so I just like wrote this thing up and I was like, I read UFOs, the truth behind the mystery. And it said that there are aliens that are coming to earth and it was a good book, you know, whatever it was. But uh, yeah, I've always been, a, f a firm believer that there's something out there. I personally subscribe to the theory that every possible universe is constantly occurring always at all points forever indefinitely. And that basically just every, every possibility exists in some, either this universe or a mirror universe or a mirror universe of that universe. I don't know what we're, reality we're in. Maybe we're in the reality where there are UFOs and they just kind of appear to check in on us. Maybe they're future humans. Again, I've seen things in the sky. I've had experiences that I'm like, I can't explain that. I cannot definitively say that was an alien spacecraft that has traveled from the Pleiades nebula to come communicate with us. But I'm like, sure shit wasn't a plane i don't know what uh, meteorological quote-unquote be and there will be also be a lot of quote-unquotes in this episode as well i don't know if it was a quote-unquote meteorological event but i'd have no explanation for that but let's just dive right in considering that it's already almost 20 minutes in 
Uh, oh, <laughs> so this is ultimately the story of Blinky and Moby Dick, according hmm. to the CIA. Oh, yeah, and recognize our sources, uh, which is... The CIA. The CIA. It's CIA.gov, San Francisco Gate, uh, the Oakland Tribune, the San Francisco Examiner, and, of course, last but certainly not least, our good friend, Wikipedia. According to the CIA, the first report of a quote-unquote flying saucer in America was on June 24th, 1947, observed by Kenneth Arnold, a pilot and businessman near Mount Rainier, Washington. While searching for a downed airplane in his own airplane, Arnold sighted nine disc-shaped UFOs traveling at what he estimated to be over 1,000 miles per hour. From there precipitated, obviously, the innumerable documented and undocumented cases of people witnessing UFOs, which again stands for Unidentified Flying Object, which is how we will interpret it we are not going to ascribe any intelligence behind it, but it might be argued there is an overwhelming body of evidence that suggests that they might be. Anyways. Shots fired by Kate. In December of 1952. Wow. <laughs> an overwhelming body of evidence. Huh? Overwhelming mm, body yeah. of evidence. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to mm-hmm. be in between you two tonight. I'm just going to be like, oh, oh shots fired at Andy. Shots yeah, fired no, at Andy. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to for, for the purposes of this oh, episode. I'm, I'm not going to be ducking anything. I, the overwhelming body of evidence. Hey, just the only cited, thing, he, the only thing mm-hmm. you're going to be ducking mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. UFOs. Ooh, I, like, I already like what's going to happen tonight. In December of 1952, the Intelligence Advisory Committee, IAC, decided to look into the issue of UFOs. H. Marshall Chadwell, Assistant Director of the Office of Scientific Intelligence, OSI, and H.P. Robertson, a physicist from the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena, brought together a cohort of scientists to study and discuss the issue of UFOs called the Scientific Advisory Panel on UFOs. This would become known as the Robertson Panel. The goal was to investigate the existing body of evidence pertaining to UFOs and evaluate their potential threat to national security. The Robertson panel, which met from January 14th to 17th, 1953, ended up having quote-unquote rational explanations for most of the sightings. (laughs) There was no evidence that any of the reported sightings were extraterrestrial in origin and that ultimately UFOs did not pose a direct threat U.S. national security. Actually, I wanted to interject because I was just thinking about this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, they wanted to, like, what would the government, why would the government really want to fund this and, like, kind of get money, go to, money and power? Yeah, money and power. Or, like, go out. Well, because they have to sp- spend money to, under, like, to research, like, people go, I saw this thing in the sky. But it must have been because of the Cold War and them wanting to know, okay, what are people seeing? Are there, like, mm-hmm. Are well, we, sure. Yeah. Are we course. getting right? Are we uh, seeing? Are people actually seeing Russian like spy planes? Right. Or? Right. And absolutely. And and I mean, think about it. Like, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about like like the scientific process. Like, if you have like more than just one person claiming that they've experienced a certain phenomena that is currently unexplainable or unknown, it behooves science to like investigate that. Yes. Because if you just react and say like that's not possible, then you're working dogmatically. You're 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 exposing 
that you in fact are not following your own kind of rules of engagement, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think it makes sense for like, at this point, I think it makes sense for the government to say, well, like there are multiple people that are claiming that they are seeing unexplainable things. We should probably actually think about that and yes. perhaps look into these claims and then, and then see if there's any grounds to go further with it, which apparently according to this in their quote unquote rational way, they found yes. that most of them were explainable. And to their credit, they did bring in uh, their panel was made up of non-military scientists. So good for you guys. All right. So ultimately they decided the panel decided that the UFOs that they investigated did not pose any sort of threat to national security. It did, however, acknowledge the possibility that, in the words of the CIA's website, quote, continued emphasis on UFO reporting might threaten the orderly functioning of the government by clogging the channels of communication with irrelevant reports and by having, quote, hysterical mass behavior (laughs) harmful to constituted authority, end quote. Consequently, the Robertson panel's official recommendation to the National Security Council was to debunk any UFO reports to quote-unquote educate the public and quote-unquote reassure them of the lack of evidence for UFOs. As this occurred in the midst of the McCarthyism madness, it was also recommended that private groups such as the Los Angeles-based Civilian Flying Saucer Investigators <laughs> and yes. Aerial Phenomena Research Organization <laughs> of Wisconsin be monitored for any potential subversive activities. That just now, like... see, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, that just sounds like a bunch of people that are getting together and wearing tin hats and, like, having a good time. Or they might be communists. Say, Maybe like, aliens are communists or communists are aliens. Who knows? I mean, me and Dario always talk about, like, getting an RV and... Like seeing, like sightseeing national parks, but while doing that, driving, like listening to coast to coast and looking yeah. up at the sky and oh, just talking great. about. Yeah, man, I, I uh, drove up to Skyline Boulevard um, trying to catch some of the uh, shooting stars from the you Orion. Mean UFOs? Well, so I was up there trying to catch some, some meteors uh, from the Orionids meteor shower, and I was sitting there. On this very lonely highway, looking up at the sky, listening to the crickets and the wind. And I was just like, oh, please. Oh, please show yourself to me. Just give me a little sign. Just take me up but, in but your But think about it. Like, like, and hug me. Again, I mean, I, I, I know that, like, I, I probably become tedious with hammering away with, with this constantly. But, like, like, wind the clock back a couple hundred years. And there were people sitting up in what is now, like, skyline watching those same meteor showers. Mm-hmm. And interpreting them as some sort of like inexplicable phenomena, messages from the gods, whatever. Yes. And now we know what they are. We can explain them. And it's not some like esoteric, like strange phenomena. So So, 100 and 200, 1,000 years from now, will we have an explanation for UFOs where it's like, oh, yeah, no, those are uh, dimensional rifts. They happen here and there. And and we might, right? We might. Or Or we might have... A much more mundane explanation for them too. Yeah. Who knows? I feel like once they explained meteorites and comets and all that, that actually became way more terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Giant. To some degree, it is. Right. <laughs> of <laughs> ice and dust. But really, just gonna smack into the earth, and you know, potentially one of these will be too big and will like you know kill everything. But you know, whatever. our story 
starts on February 13th, 1953, almost one month to the day of the start of the Robertson panel. Over the course of Friday, February 13th, 1953, thousands of Bay Areans saw an amber-colored orb <laughs> with silvery flashes in the early morning hours at 3.30 a.m. The aerial phenomenon was nicknamed Blinky. Blinky. The object came in from over the ocean to the west, hovering, zipping around at incredible speeds around the skies over San Francisco, Oakland, and Marin at what was estimated to be three to 10,000 feet altitude. One of the early morning observers, Emeryville policeman James Wayne, reported what he saw. Quote, It looked like a bulb. I wouldn't guess the altitude. It appeared to be hovering over the Albany racetrack and seemed to be weaving from side to side. At first it was amber-colored, then it turned to silver. It moved up and down at intervals. It moved to the north, round like a bulb, then it moved south. Okay, can I interject? Mm -hmm. Interesting the amber color, and then it turned silver. silver. Like, I saw something red, and then it turned kind of like... Pink. Oh, pinky white, and then it was an orb, and it kind of why I wanted you to reshare your story because oh, I was like, oh, Anthony saw Blinky. I like, saw fucking Blinky. Well, fellow Blinky. officer Aldo Berta, who had seen it else from elsewhere in the city, gave an almost identical recounting of his experience. Several more witnesses observed the object move from the Richmond Hills in the East Bay, travel over Alcatraz Island, over the Golden Gate Bridge and out toward the Farallon Islands until it left sight. However, Blinky appeared again over the San Francisco Bay at 618, hovering between Hunter's Point and Alameda before traveling south. Hamilton Field Air Force Base, located in southern Nevada, about 25 miles north of San Francisco, denied that it was anything of theirs and confirmed <laughs> that nothing had appeared on their radar. Sure it didn't. Sure didn't. Golden Gate Bridge Toll Op Collector. Fuck, I'm in. <laughs> Basically. The toll collector. Yes. Uh, so Blinky appeared at 3.30 in the morning and then again in the evening. Ugh, can you imagine being a fucking toll collector at 3.30 in the morning? Oh my god, you bet you see some weird shit. That's cold. Golden Gate Bridge <laughs> toll collector Fred Peterson recalled his experience. I first saw it at 5 to 5 p.m. And for five minutes thereafter, a round white light that made big slow circles in the sky just above China Beach. It wasn't too high, but I was, but higher than the <laughs> bridge towers. A number of motorists saw it as they drove up the approach from San Francisco, it was amber-colored, changing from to silver at times. So once again, we have a corroborating account over 12 hours later when it returns from across the bay, from a different perspective. I wonder if people had ever seen, like, searchlights before at that point. Because yeah. everything that's being described it's sounds an awful lot. Like, are you, yeah, but People, you never know. Like I remember, like living in down in L.A. and like sometimes movie premier, premieres would have like the big gigantic lights. lights. Yeah, yeah. And and they they were pretty wild to see, sure. and they sound an awful lot like what these people are describing. And it would also make sense that a lot of people would see them and probably be confused and freak out and. 
Yeah, start but, asking questions. Okay, well, but this sounds like it's more irregular, and like the pattern of the zipping is irregular. Like you can kind of easily see, like a like you know what I mean. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's like a like marketing gimmick for like a theater opening. No, like, no, I know that. I'm just saying you're my. I'm defending. Think about when it was, man. Maybe this was like some sort of like. Yeah. Maybe this is a, a ship out on the Pacific no, Ocean. No. Like, I, I shining. I would disagree with that. Searchlights. They just got through World War II. Like, and indeed, people, it's, there were searchlights and shit like that. Like, perhaps you should consider the account of Civil Defense Ground Observer Corman, Michael <laughs> Moran, stationed at the top of Mount Sutro. He's going to tell like it is. I can As tell. As he reported, object sighted, round, color, black with silver, behavior, Went straight up, then straight down, also circling. Estimated altitude, 10,000 feet. Characteristics, two flicking vapor trails, definitely not jet type. Sound, deep throb. <laughs> Position, directly over tower. First sighted, 5.58 p.m. Length of sighting, 24 minutes. Weather, clear. Visibility, unlimited. Whoa. This account was corroborated by his fellow Corman observers, Rudy Pugh, Ray Rogaway, and Roy Homer. Wow, I mean, I'm convinced now there must be a, Rudy, there's Roy, aliens. There the, are aliens. Rudy, Ray, Good job, and, man. Like, Rudy, Ray, and Roy. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they sound made up. Do, do they sound made up to you? Because they sound made up to me. I'm I just do, saying. I do <laughs> assume that they did, like, Katie, have did a... did you make this up just like your second grade book report? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Um, Are you sure? Uh, it was Rudy, uh, Ray, and uh, Roy. Roy. <laughs> oh, yeah, what? oh, yeah, I saw it. Oh, oh. Poke in the eye. Oh, Air Force and Navy confirmed neither had any aircraft in the air at the times when Blinky was seen. It was also confirmed by all branches of the military and Coast Guard that no flares had been fired or dropped. The Weather Bureau also didn't launch its nightly weather radio balloon until 7.30 p.m., well after Blinky had departed. Additionally, the balloon, as per its typical course, traveled south toward San Jose at around 60,000 feet altitude. According to the San Francisco Examiner, scientists and weather authorities explained Blinky as, quote, a mirroring temperature inversion layer in the atmosphere that reflected lights. Hmm. This is, hmm. quote, where warm air develops between two layers of cold air. The warm layer acts as a reflector with certain combinations of density and temperature, end quote. And as far as I can tell, what they're referring to is a Fata Morgana, or complex superior mirage. This, however, occurs from a distance seen just above the horizon. A Weather Bureau spokesman said that there were two inversion layers present on February 13th, one at 1,000 feet and one at 3,200 feet, with a 600-foot layer of warm air. Additionally, mirages tend to occur when the sun is at a specific angle, such as near sunrise or sunset. However, the sun rose at 7.02 a.m. on February 13, 1953 and set at 5.47 p.m. So Blinky was first seen three and a half hours before the sun rose and 10 minutes after the sun set. But does it only occur because of reflections from sunlight or might it have re been reflecting lights from objects on the ground? Potentially, like could I don't know, it, it headlights could have been playing with the lights of the area. Any the well, headlights that you encounter aren't some intense headlights. No, well, I, 
I, I guess what I'm asking is, I'm getting a sense, Caden, that you would prefer not to accept this scientific explanation. Well, Andy. <laughs> and I guess my question I is, I will get why? to that. <laughs> I will get to that. Like, why would you prefer to believe that this was a UFO rather than like? No, he's because just it saying is, like, it is like, unidentified. We're, we're okay, sure. We're, he, but we're but, saying like, okay, could it be this? The, okay, well, this doesn't that doesn't fit. It's with like it, it would be. It's I just in my opinion, my scientific opinion, calling it a mirage does not fit with the description of what happened. It would be like if you saw a car hit somebody and being like, oh, yeah, man, uh, that dude got struck down by lightning. And you'd be like, well, that but doesn't I don't, I really don't think match that's, up with what I saw. Yeah, but but that's – I don't think that's actually an accurate analogy. Well, it is not an accurate analogy <laughs> because I'm put on the spot and I couldn't think <laughs> of anything else. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, to to go to Caden's defense, I think it's what Caden's more trying to say is that like we're – we're eliminating certain things that could be the explanation. Like, it, okay, could it be a mirage? Well, no, it's not like because these mirages happen at these times with, under these uh, conditions. And when we when the UFO was saw seen, those conditions. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming to my defense. <laughs> when it was sawn, I should, when I saw half. that lot, it didn't look like no mirage. Yeah. Like Caden, I was put on the spot. <laughs> well, but but well, hold on. can we back yes. up for a second? Because I I think so again, and, and I'm like I I, I want to make it absolutely clear. I am not in any way saying like there is no way that this was something like a flying object no, or something. But as you were talking, but what about I'm saying discounting is discounting like, something just because I want it to be something. Yeah, else. exactly. We we need to yes. we we need to really look at all of the potential alternative explanations. And yes, uh, Anthony, I have seen clouds reflecting Small headlights, gas. and it's and it's weird. It is weird, like I, and it and it and it because it it creates these really strange erratic patterns. And as a kid, I'd be like, "What the fuck was that?" And then over time, as I experienced it multiple times growing up, I realized like, "Oh, that's weird." Like I can't really explain why that happens, but I know that that is in fact that car that just went <laughs> up the road when it turned on the road a quarter mile away. Like, I know that that's like, and it got to the point where it happened frequently enough. Cause I, like, I grew up out in the country where we didn't have a whole lot of light pollution and stuff that I'd realized like, well, that's not some weird inexplicable phenomenon. That is a car that's about ready to come over the hill right now. And it, and it would, you know, and, and oh, like, right. But it's also saying? like, right. This is something though that you have seen and it right. replicates itself. Right. So you can say that this has apparently Never, never happened. happened before. Well, and and never happened again. Probably with, yes. with and 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 that raises. I mean, that raises multiple questions. If it was weather, why would it be such an isolated event? A, bit, a but singular also, event. Yes. But but if it was like visiting extraterrestrials, unless they like literally showed up and like, wow, these people fucking suck, and just were like, nah, this planet's lost. Like, why would this have been the sole occurrence? But 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 what I was getting at is if if we back up your narrative a little bit, like you 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 described how the weather services and stuff explained what was happening, and mm -hmm. then you said it sounded to you like Fata Morgana. 
I mean, so are, from, are, are from you what, making that 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 comparison? Because I think from what you're what I did with my own googling and research and whatnot that that is what i believe they are talking okay. about but it may they do not use the term okay fata morgana right. or complex superior mirage but when they talk about layers of air acting as reflectors sure. and differences in temperature and density i believe that it from what i could tell that's what okay. a okay. mirage but, is but you you I mean, you do see what I'm getting at, right? Is that you, you, again, you might be kind of, you might be saying, well, it sounds like they're talking about this phenomena. And then you're assuming that they are talking about that phenomena. And then you're looking at the descriptions of it and saying, and you're using that as your litmus test to say, well, but that then couldn't have been possible. Indeed. But that's an assumption that you're making. Yes. Rather than what they actually said. This is an entire so, episode of assumptions and jumping to conclusions. <laughs> I mean, I wish we had a climate scientist that could sit here and like try to explain because none of us are experts in that realm of knowledge. Uh, speak for yourself. At all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, other than Anthony, who yes. I, I've, I've seen a lot of weather in my day. <laughs> I've seen a lot of weather. It's rained a few times here in California. And yeah, yeah, a few times. One time and it hailed. One time it hailed. Previously, one of you brought up the Cold War, and many in that era were also quick to point out that UFOs had only been a recent phenomena, more likely than not a cause of fear of the Russians. World War II brought an unprecedented military occupation of the skies with an entire cities being leveled with new aircraft and munitions. But then again, if this is just anxiety and paranoia caused by the cold war, why weren't there reports of these quote unquote weather phenomena previously? Were people really just that much more prone to looking skyward that they saw something that they'd never seen before? They might have been. I well, mean, it could be cultural kind of psychosis brought about by trauma experienced via the Cold War. Could be. I think our answer lies in the events that transpired 12 days later. On February 25th, another bulb-like object was spotted floating in the sky. But this time, it had a more straightforward explanation. Hmm. An Air Force Skyhook meteorological balloon, 73 feet in bi diameter, 129 feet long, floating between 40 to 60,000 feet elevation. Oh, dude, Anthony, is is that what you saw when you were 12? No, it didn't have a, like, it didn't look like that. But I think this is definitely, like, when they talk about, like, <laughs> weather a balloons. crashed, yeah. when they talk about, like, in Roswell, like, a crashed weather balloon, this is what, what they're talking right, about. Right, right. Uh, and I, I will say this, mm -hmm. like, I that's that's almost too prosaic and not gratifying to me. It's like I, I would rather these phenomena be the cause of, like, rather rare and really esoteric weather patterns rather than just, like, oh, shit, it was just, like, a lost weather balloon, mm -hmm. like, that freaked a bunch of people out. Yes. Well, these weather balloons were part of the Air Force's uh, weather Operation Moby Dick. These balloons carried meteorological instruments in a metal box, could reach 100,000 feet in elevation, and were said to have been able to cross the country in a single flight. When they fell below 30,000 feet, the instrument box was automatically detached and parachuted gently to Earth. The balloon itself was made of translucent plastic and was said to glow in the sunlight. Why was it called Moby Dick? Who chased in the white whale or something? I don't know. Could you imagine being like the poor like Midwestern farmer that like happens to be 
the farm where that box of weather instruments just like gently parachutes it down and she's like what the fuck and returning it to the u.s government would get you a handsome 25 dollar reward no shit which i believe in 1953 money was eight trillion dollars that's a lot of wild turkey it is even in today's money, $25 worth of wild turkey is a lot of wild turkey. Southern comfort, man. <laughs> Jim! <laughs> Tarnation! It's a, it's a lucky day! Uh, this was the first time one of these balloons had been released in the Bay Area. While there were, again, numerous reports and sightings of what the uh, journalists redeemed Moby Dick. Astronomers at the UC Berkeley campus easily identified the object as a balloon, able to see the seams of the plastic on the balloon's surface as well as the metal box it held. Hamilton Air Force Base, however, picked nothing up on radar and claimed there had been no locally released balloons. Right. Hmm. A jet pilot. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? A jet pilot who who happened to be in the air at the time reported to Hamilton Base that he was investigating the quote unquote thing he saw. And Hamilton Air Force Base scrambled two more jets. Debriefing of all three pilots determined that it was indeed clearly a Moby Dick weather balloon. The balloon reportedly hung stationary over San Francisco due to a quote-unquote zero drift zone in the stratosphere where it was stuck. Eventually, San Franciscans watched as the balloon wait, wait, blew who, up. Why did you throw quote unquotes there? Are you going to try to claim that there was some extraterrestrial intelligence holding a weather balloon in a static no, I'm pattern? Just saying that, that, that it was it was apparently due to a quote unquote zero drift zone in the I, stratosphere, according to meteorologists. I just wanted the pilot ground control. We got a dick. <laughs> Uh, so San Francisco. God damn it, Anthony! Like <laughs> always lowering the tone. You're like nothing but reliable. That's my job on the show. <laughs> San Franciscans watched the balloons blow westward out to sea toward the Farallon Islands as evening fell, turning red as it caught the last gleams of sunlight popping over the horizon. Boring, right? You know what I think? I think that the whole Moby Dick nonsense nonsense was concocted to cover up the initial appearance of Blinky. <laughs> yeah, this is of course you clearly <laughs> an attempt by the military and the government powers to confuse and distract the public from the truth about UFOs. Absolutely. By releasing a yeah, balloon, clearly. it provides an easily identifiable object in the sky that is tangible and explainable. And it's also, I think there's also kind of a little ploy of like, Oh yeah, well, like, oh, we we don't know, we don't see things on radar. Like, oh, these things just kind of happen and slip by, and like, oh, we didn't get the memo that there was a balloon in the area. Having lived in San Francisco for almost ten years, I have never seen any mirage phenomena as described by the quote unquote experts, <laughs> <laughs> the government fucking journalist fucking Will experts. Stevens lays out in his SF Examiner yeah, articles. Where these fucking experts get us, right? According, I agree. I mean, having lived in a city for 10 years makes you more of an expert than a highly trained scientist. It's true. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're I'm right. just saying, like, I watched a lot of sunsets. I, I watched a lot of, that, a lot of sunsets. shows when I was a kid. Makes me I am an expert. clearly an expert. I'm just saying that it's weird that this has never happened since. It is, isn't it? It's weird. It's very weird. It's weird. Strange. According to... Hmm. UFO sighting desk reference, United States of America, 2001 to 2015. A compendium of UFO sightings compiled from New Force and MUFON data, which I believe is the National UFO 
Reporting Council and the Mutual UFO Network. These This data was compiled by authors Cheryl Costa and Linda Miller Costa between 2001 and 2015. California led the nation in UFO sightings with almost 16,000 out of over 120,000 reported sightings. That's not surprising. Los Angeles County alone beating out 40 individual states with 3,200 sightings in that 15-year period. (laughs) Cheryl Costa noted that, the quote, the people who see the majority of sightings are outside having a smoke, walking the dog, or outside smoking, walking the dog, (laughs) according to a 2017 San Francisco Gate article by Jake Ellison. And I think I will open it up to discussion from there because I think Andy, obviously, resident scientist, you do bring up good points. I acknowledge I am very biased because I want I want Blinky. Oh, how I want but, Blinky to but be a why? UFO. But why do you want? Because I want there to be magic in the world. But that's not magic then. Maybe it is magic. It's, it's just more science. Well, isn't magic just science that you don't understand? No, science is magic you do understand. Whoa. That's actually a much. Well, damn, Anthony, this is two episodes in a row, Dude. right here. Brother. Holy shit! This is past the toilet paper. I can't believe that. I told Andy that there was a reason why you're that, here. That was that was deep, Anthony. Mm. And I'm not kidding. Actually, that that's I that's a good spin on. I might use that in my classes. Yeah. Say yeah. what you said again, because I forgot now. <laughs> Magic is science. You know, science is magic <laughs> that you understand. <laughs> science like, is just like magic the, that you in, understand. In the, in the whole context where it's like magic is not science you understand. Science is magic that you understand. It, it, which, you is, do, which is good. I mean, like an, anthropologists studying like magic have argued that it, it, it's basically it's naive science. It's baby science. Mm-hmm. It, it's a hypothesis where you do not bother to actually test. test. Yeah. Right. So, so in that respect, science is exactly what you said. It is magic that we have now uh, understood. Mm-hmm. Watch me which, which of course, I mean, unfortunately for I some mean, people, uh... means that science sometimes explains away magic and shows us the error of our mistaken assumptions, right? So, like, I, I guess my, like, I get what you're saying, like, because Anthony, you've talked about this before, like th- this, this, this kind of desire to or need to kind of have that unexplained out there, and I get that. I mean, it 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 makes life a lot more kind of exciting and exhilarating to think that there are things that we cannot kind of comprehend and ex- and explain. And I think that's the source of where most ideological belief systems come from i mean science is a product of that as well but like magic and and religion in general are are i think the human quest to kind of like understand our place in the world and but but they also embrace that kind of mystical mystery of of life which i get like i i i absolutely get that i mean that's why i think when i was growing up science fiction and fantasy did appeal to me so much Mm -hmm. but i don't like i guess for me like i don't need that to be real within the world that i inhabit Right. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm, totally. I'm okay with that existing within the realm of imagination. Sure. Right. And 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 I guess that's what I like about science is that it starts with the realm of imagination because you see things that you can't understand and you start to throw out hypotheses. So is right. it possible that Blinky was a phenomenon caused by weather? Okay. Yes, that's possible. Let's talk about 
what that would mean like what evidence do we need for it is it possible well, as, that blinky as we have no photo evidence either like i couldn't find any photos of this extremely difficult to it's really extremely difficult because realistically we'll we'll put up a picture on um the facebook page or instagram or whatever um of the skyhook balloon but it's like i i imagine if i saw one of those just like floating over anywhere i would be like what the fuck is yeah, that thing absolutely. like it and it, like totally i can see it it's translucent plastic it catches the light but i will say i i, yeah. I will say this like if it was if blinky was a weather balloon why did the scientists attempting to explain it not just be like this is most likely a weather balloon like rather than saying it's most likely a weather pattern mm-hmm. so like i mean i personally like again i don't i don't know that much about the weather phenomena that was being described like I tend to think that that is probably a pretty credible argument. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit strange that that weather pattern has not been witnessed again, at least not in a way that many people reported. And I find it hard to believe that like, if it did happen again, that just like everybody in the Bay area would go, Oh yeah, no, oh, it's that <laughs> thing. It's that thing happening. No, no, no it's cool guys. Like, no, right. no it's, it's, right. it's just the thing right. that happens sometimes. You know, you know, it's really funny. I, I, it, this it's, it makes me think of when, um, when I was up at Mount Shasta, um, this past summer, you know, the, like Shasta creates its own weather patterns. You and know why? Very, very rare. Yeah, I know it's because of the Lemurians <laughs> that live inside of Mount Shasta, whatever morons. Um, like that, that, see, that is provably false. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, like, that's incredible. incredible. You mean provably fun? Uh, yeah, it is provably fun. And, and you know what is wonderful about this world that we inhabit mm. is that, as a scientist, especially as an anthropologist, it really is fun to study the people that believe this stuff because they're just so <sighs> goddamn entertaining. But the weather pattern I was talking about yes. was that occasionally, and it's very occasional, like 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 not not multiple times a year not necessarily even multiple times a decade. Mm-hmm. Like it happens occasionally that you get these incredibly bizarre looking, like almost like pancake, like circular clouds that form around the, the peak oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of I've Mount Shasta. It's an explainable known phenomena, but it only happens under extremely specific conditions. And it is things like that, that I, I totally, I can imagine like you were talking about with like meteor showers or, kind of obscure weather patterns so like if you don't have an explanation for it it's weird like you're just like well shit that 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 i have no explanation for it it is beyond my understanding thus it transcends into the realm of like mythology and religion you know like kind of like that fantasy of explanation in the same way that like you know people argue reports of like angels were actually UFOs. The gods of yore were actually aliens. Yeah, no, I'm familiar with uh, those claims, and uh, there's absolutely no reason whatsoever to give credence to that argument. Yeah. That aliens were gods? That gods, the were, gods aliens. were aliens. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or that angels were aliens, or that the burning bush was actually an alien spaceship that was speaking to humans and like I, I trust me i've read a bunch of these books they are fascinating because i am always just b- 
befuddled by the gullibility it's of people. It's a great story. It's a wonderful story. And and I love I love watching the incredible gymnastics that people go through to try to justify their preconceived belief based on the data. Yes. And typically what gym what those gymnastics Which is what today was an exercise of. Absolutely. <laughs> but but typically what those gymnastics also employ is the willful excising of data that undermines the preferred hypothesis, right? So like like that that is exactly what Graham Hancock does. That is what all of his predecessors that he is shamefully ripping off have done for decades like going all the way back yeah. to eric von donegan where a bunch of like and and, pre- and his predecessors were a bunch of this kind of schlocky like re-analysis of prehistoric texts and artwork comes from is that like the the problem with with looking at something whether it's a symbolic artwork left behind by an ancient civilization or whether it's a phenomena right in front of your face is that our brains tend to fill in an explanation that is more product of us than of the artist or of the phenomena. Right. And and we see what we want to see or what we've been kind of like trained to see. And that's a, you can turn that accusation back to scientists, right? You can say, well, you're, but you have a preferred hypothesis oh, I and mean, are, I, are seeing what you want. I, I love the, the whole kind of, it admittedly sure the but like the way that people use the quote unquote dogma of scientism scientism that it's like oh well you don't have an open mind because you're just based in your your pre-existing theories and it's like well yeah man it's just because you know the only way that like our entire understanding of the universe works is if the earth is a sphere yeah (laughs) so like it would be kind of weird that like all of the physics would still may remain consistent except for the earth which is actually a disc and it's like yes well and and that's like i i think that like the vast majority i mean there are some or there are times it's where scientists do become dogmatic and they are unwilling to incorporate new data that 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 runs counter to their preferred explanations into new hypotheses, and that's yeah. that's a problem. And, and that's, absolutely, but that's part of the peer review process of science. Is that right. at times scientists kind of do as a cohort assert certain truths that that are deemed to be like completely demonstrably true, mm-hmm. but but that then can 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 then lead to resistance by the scientific community to embracing new data but we also need to always scrutinize the data that we're looking at and and what frustrates the hell out of me is when people present data and say well what about this and scientists are like we explained that 50 70 80 years ago and people are like well no but you you've you you've 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 been suppressing this and they're like no if you bothered to read the scientific literature that was a data point that we explained 80 years ago we don't need to talk about it now and people are like no you're trying to suppress data it's like no we don't like why do we we need to keep repeating this same explanation yeah we put it to bed and it is there in the scientific literature if you bother to take the time to actually read the scientific literature but people don't because they simply want what they want to be true to be true and like i i and they're also they're not like career scientists they're like a dude who 
has a day job and then in right. his spare time well, hunts UFOs or tries to prove that the earth is flat. Right. And and and, and to some degree like I And by although also I just want to make it clear in no way am I equivocating belief in UFOs with belief in the flat earth. <laughs> Well, I believe in UFOs. I have experienced UFOs. People who believe in the flat Earth need to reevaluate some things in their lives. But but, but the the beauty of that that one flat Earth documentary is that that the scientists that they interview do point out that like it's important to have inquisitive people, right? Who because- who do take an interest and then say, well, what about this? But 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 at the same time, those inquisitive people need to inform themselves yeah of the vast body of data that exists that might already have answered the question that they want to ask mm-hmm. and 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 that's i mean it's both exciting like for me as a teacher it's really exciting when i have students that are like oh shit like what about this like i just learned about this and it's like well that i'm so glad that you're excited and you're inquisitive and you want to know about it but that's wrong <laughs> like I'm sorry, it's right. like like we've yeah. we've talked, and, and like for me, like as someone that studies ancient Maya, like it 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 is insanely frustrating to have people like like Von Donegan looked at Pakal's sarcophagus lid, and he saw Pakal depicted there at the controls of a spaceship. Oh, and you know yeah. what? I, I just was gonna I, bring that up. Um, I can I look at that. And I'm like, I see it too. Totally. I see a spaceship that's, for and sure. That's human, the human brain right finding patterns. Like, I get it. I get it. But first of all, you're looking at it through, in this case, 20th or 21st century mm-hmm. Western eyes, where spaceships or at least planes or spacecrafts are a thing, and we are seeing something that we are maybe vaguely familiar with or seems to be familiar to us. And we're reading into it something that the Maya artists that depicted that image certainly had no familiarity with. And by the way, if they were familiar with spaceships, there would be abundant evidence that in fact, those technologies existed. And and again, this is where you get into the conspiracy thing. We're like, okay, so, so how do you then explain why there's like, kind of an isolated image of what might be a spaceship this on one, right? yeah on on this classic maya sarcophagus lid well okay this is the way we explain it that it's it's the the aliens then came back and erased all evidence that they were there and it's like at mm-hmm. some point like you just are grasping for so many straws yes. to try to verify your belief that it just it's a house of cards that collapses on itself and on on the alternate side the alternate side scientists have an abundance of the corpus of maya artwork which in fact completely explains what is being depicted there hmm. without needing to grasp for those same straws right yeah it's funny because looking at it again you do like aside from him like looking like he's sitting on a something like i guess that kind of looks like a rocket but you're also looking at it at the wrong orientation anthony you're looking at it like this yeah you you have to look at it with him kind of laying kind of supine on his back um so if, so if you go go press back and there's like another photo that is it like it. you're looking at it like this that's how you're supposed to look yeah, at yeah, it yeah. yes that's the but, orientation of the artwork almost so, like looking at like up through a telescope yeah mm, yeah i guess but what it's depicting is it's depicting pakal emerging from the 
Earth Mall, which is the depiction at the bottom, and oh, he's yeah, ascending yeah. the the World Tree, which is a symbolized. Oh, yeah, it's a symbol yeah, yeah. of the Saber Tree, and at the top is a celestial bird, hmm. which actually is one of the Maya. Hmm. It's one of the the Maya. Um, what am I trying to say? Constellations, hmm. and depicts a, a, a sacred ancestor. Now, how do we know that? Because that, that, that sounds like I just made that up, right? That's like whoa! Like Andy just made up yeah. some crazy shit based on very scant evidence. We have repeated images of all of what I just said in multiple places of my artwork over hundreds of years and over a huge geography. And we also have contact era oral myths that were written down that talk about what the Maya believed happened to contact their ancestors era, that when was, died. That's first contact with aliens yeah, for no, the Maya. It's good. Well, yeah, they were called Spanish people. And they ah. floated across the ocean on inexplicably strange craft which to the Maya probably seemed like creatures from another planet coming to bring about the end of their existence. Of course, the Maya civilization had collapsed well before the Spanish arrived. Right, and, and that's actually... It's, but you guys get what I'm saying, right? right? I mean, it's like if you, you have to contextualize what you're seeing, and most of us don't because we just don't have the context. Like Anthony is an 11 or 12-year-old peeing in a bush. He sees something, and he has no way to contextualize it or explain it. So it, it clearly becomes what what is an indelible experience in your life, which is pretty powerful right and and like i and i and i i know i give you so much trouble about it and keep saying it's just headlights on clouds but like that probably is an important part of what you, who you are today and your inquisitive uh, nature right i don't know if it was important but it happened well, but i think it was because i mean you still talk about it all the goddamn time so like it was, yeah. it's a cool story story about that one time i saw something i and, saw you a phone now people get to say it i get to say it but dude yeah. everybody says that shit and they no, haven't seen they ufos no, i mean they don't. i get to say i saw a fucking orb that flew in the sky not everyone gets to say it. I hold on to that shit. Well, because I uh, right. I mean, that's and, true. And, I, not everybody said that because I have never seen anything like that. How about this? I like. How about, maybe it's because of the crowd I kind of hover in. I get. I hover break, in. I hover. <laughs> I, I get to. Uh, I get to tell that story more often than, than, other stuff that I live. You know. True. But live. I was say, speaking of the Spanish. <laughs> I be, no, no no I be, but I I think we talked about this previously too. Um, where it was like when the. Spanish arrived that the like indigenous Americans oh, you're, you're gonna do you're gonna go into the that, oh, no, what was I'm, that movie I'm totally the, gonna, the philosophical argument uh, well I'm gonna well I'm gonna I'm potentially gonna spin this back but if I remember correctly that like they didn't even see the boats they oh. they saw like the ripples and they were just like and saw kind of like a vague like they they, they couldn't really like they had no concept of like a Spanish fleet and so they were just like i don't buy that what the fuck is that that so, so that i've never bought that, that 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 particular story has been repeated again and again and again i mean first of all and like, tell me if i'm wrong well because like, this uh, i've this is just stuff that i've heard you're, you're in per- various you know you you documentaries you're and... you're wrong like i always look at it this way if you well, how then the fuck would you be a kid and get around because every essentially when you're a little kid learning what the world is you have never seen anything before. How the fuck you still see it and learn what it is? You meant you don't and fucking yet, run into bumping into shit. Little kids well, are you constantly do. bumping. Well, you into do. Shit. You do run into. That's true. <laughs> no, they do so, run into bumping it. But my point is, like they, like they understand, like the well, space. Well, that's why they, they like run out into the street because they like just don't. But see they don't cars. have. An, they don't but, understand. Well, they don't understand the concept of a car and moving and hitting but, them. But so what, the reason I say 
you're wrong. That was actually you, a bad Jane, example. Is, Kids are is, kind of dumb. Is not because I mean from a from a in some ways from a cognitive point of view and a philosophical point of view, arguably, is it possible that you may not visually see something if you have not been culturally kind of taught that it is real? Absolutely. I, I actually, I mean, that, that is one of the core precepts of certain linguistic theories in mm-hmm. anthropology and linguistics. Like Saper Wharf basically argues that if you do not have a word for something, you can't experience it or you can't think it. Right. Right. But, but the reason I said you're wrong is because we have absolutely no idea what indigenous peoples of the America thought sure. when the Europeans arrived because we have no written accounts. I was going to say, don't we have them. a record of that? No, we don't. I what mean, happened? we have, we, we have, yeah. Where'd they go? Good. I, I think they, they did <laughs> oh, have written sorry. language. The Spanish systematically said about decimating it. I think that, that, that particular kind of, if you will, myth mm-hmm. is it's one that's been proposed relatively recently by people who are theorizing what it would have been like at the point of contact. And that's, it's really, I mean, thank you. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting, thank you for setting me straight on that. But it's a really interesting idea, right? Is it, is it possible that when the Spanish arrived, the peoples of the Americas didn't understand who and what the Spanish were? Absolutely. Is it possible that they did not actually physically see the boats Absolutely not. No, they were. I mean, I guarantee you, they were like, "What the, the fuck, fuck is, is that?" that? Why, they, didn't nece- they didn't necessarily like go, "Oh, those are big ass boats," but they also didn't not see them. They were just like, "What the fuck?" Is well, that? but I also, I, I think it's highly likely because I mean, when, when Columbus recounts in his travel narrative that people Gathered came out to shore. meet, yeah. no, they came out to meet. Him in boats. Oh, really? And we know we know that like the Maya were using relatively large ocean-going canoes to traverse relatively long distances up and down the the Caribbean and and Atlantic coastlines to to engage in trading. So like I think they probably were like, damn, those are really big ass boats. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen boats that big before, but I Let's I don't think like, that they were like, oh, what's the what are those yeah. weird ripples on? Or they the like, which is which well, is look unfortunate. At the, look at the canoe, right? Because like, I was gonna I was gonna potentially top. liken that to like you know essentially we see like orbs and we see like flashes of light when in reality it's a fucking huge spaceship, but where our brains just nah, like see, can't. I I refuse. I refuse. To, I know. I feel, to, like to I, believe I, that. I feel like I'd, I'd be like, "That's a big fucking flying saucer." I, yeah. I think what we see are flashes of light or orbs, and 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 we don't understand what they are. Mm-hmm. We see them, and and then I think our brain immediately like fills in an easy explanation, mm-hmm. right? Which is we're not probably not thinking like. Ah, uh, you know, it's really weird. Like maybe it's like whatever, like weird compression layer of the clouds that is reflecting light. Like it's just like, well, damn, I think that's an object flying around up there. Yeah, and and like that, that's much easier to on the surface explain that phenomena. But then when you actually start to lend, like, kind of, if you if you start thinking about the context, yeah, and say, okay, so like that was a single, a singular occurrence in the Bay Area. Okay, it hasn't happened again as far as we know. That is weird because weather patterns do tend to repeat. Okay, but also if it was alien contact of any kind, unless it was kind of like, I don't know, when the Vikings came to North America and were like, 
this sucks. We're going to go back. And it didn't leave any sort of long-term presence there. Although in that case, we actually do have direct archaeological evidence of temporary settlements at Lansall Meadows and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. they, like, why would, if there were flying saucers that had shown up over the Bay Area in 1951 or whatever it is. 53. What, like, why, why did... Uh, why did it only happen once? And I gar- I know that there's tons of other UFO accounts and stuff, but like none that are that robust with that many eyewitnesses simultaneously agreeing that they saw the same phenomena, mm-hmm. right? And that that's where I think that that for me as a scientific thinker, that's where it becomes an issue. Blinky is interesting because a lot of people saw it, and it was a widely and like, and experienced phenomenon. Credible in- witnesses. At the same time. Yes. You know, like the UFO sightings elsewhere tend to be isolated incidents of people experiencing it. No one else yes, saw it. Yes, if you – right? also, I highly recommend go to uh, the New Force sightings page, and they have I, – I believe it's literally you can just write in – Holy shit. Anything. <laughs> uh, from – Ooh, let's go. Uh, October 2nd, Marin County, California. Shape, sphere. Duration, three minutes. Summary, glowing lights in formation just south of San Quentin. October 2nd, 12 noon. Hay Fork, California. Seven minutes. On History Channel, there should be a contact number to help people come forward. <laughs> Yeah, there should be for the writers who are writing that garbage to come forward and confess to their crimes. Yeah. So if you if you see anything or you want to corroborate something that you saw, go to New Force. That's N-U-F-O-R-C dot org. That's the National UFO Reporting Center. You can check out things that have happened in your area. Very cool. Uh, so if you see something, you can you can see if anybody else will corroborate that. Yeah. You know, I guess. I, I, if you go through life constantly looking for something, you will see it. Whereas if you go through life constantly saying, nope, 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 and then you see it anyway, that's much more powerful. And like that to me is that's, that's the difference between like believers that are seeking evidence to affirm their belief. They're constantly looking for positive reinforcement of it and they always find it. That is exactly why magic and religion have persisted as long as they have and why they are comforting and why so many people to subscribe to them and why science is not very gratifying for most people because science requires that you're like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it until you're forced to believe it because there is absolutely incontrovertible evidence. Right. Well, the irony irony is, is that actually science has made their life much more gratifying because it's allowed them to like travel to other com- countries within hours and uh well sure i mean and that's very, the thing like, like comfortable life despite like, absolutely even, like like, like y- you can't you can't like think yourself into levitating to like south america i mean you you can try good luck i'd, I'd love to come watch you yeah, yeah talk like, to oh, um, thanks um, for, yeah thanks yeah. For, <laughs> thanks for like that thanks for keeping levitate. me getting like polio and uh, you know. Right, right. No, no, no. And I, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like. No, like, I totally. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that's just like this. The the superstition thing. It's like like it, you can punch the the roof of your car to stop that light from changing red twenty times, and it won't work nineteen times. And then the one time it does, you're like, see, I told you it works. 
Hey man, that's like, all. That's all baseball pitchers need. Belief. No, just like oh, and for it to happen, weird, yeah, to happen. Superstition. Superstition. Oh, yeah, 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 needing yeah, to mm-hmm. happen like one time, and they'll always do it because mm-hmm. it becomes because it happened that one time. But yeah, if you, yeah. and then if you don't do it, and then if something bad happens, you're like, well, shit, that's because I didn't do the little fucking whatever. Yeah, I had a I had a hat trick in my rec league hockey, and I listened to Tool before, so I had to listen to Tool every time for like a year. Every time I had a, <laughs> did I ever did I score a hat trick every game? Nope. <laughs> you know, I it's I this is a total like left field but uh i because i'm i'm lecturing on religion and magic and witchcraft right now mm. and um we were talking about superstition and i i did not know what the the like greek roots of that word were so i was like somebody, somebody look it up no of superstition oh i'm actually curious and so so i was I, you know i i assumed it was going to be like 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 without proof or like without like like evidence and and it it actually translates into uh like basically gazing from above with awe oh weird which is also but it's so appropriate yeah where you're just like dang like i can't believe that worked yeah like whoa (laughs) like (laughs) because it doesn't work (laughs) yeah but that's I I don't know I mean I, I this was this was I, I this was a good program I enjoyed it because like it I I think it's important to talk about stuff like this and try to like contemplate how we build knowledge like that epistemological question is a really essential one that I think in our society we are losing like people are simply accepting stories without demanding any evidence to support them. Well, well I, I almost would say it's almost a kind of almost a strange inverse, right? They are accepting a story and then demanding the evidence, right? From from like government, like well, no, I you're think you're hiding the evidence, you're suppressing the evidence. Where's the evidence? You're oh. you're right. They're demanding evidence to something. Well, no, so I that think they just automatically. Oh, I, no, of, no, I get what you're, what you're saying. I think like we're we're like they're like, well, the the Earth is flat, and they're like, right, but like. Okay, but like we went, like you can see where we landed on the moon with a cheap telescope. We take pictures from space, and they're like, "Yeah, but like, is that real?" Well, yeah, well, I was and that's say area, the Area Fifty One, right? Storm Area Fifty One, right? Demand which, the evidence. We, we're demanding the evidence a, a that we assume is there, right? We're right. Not- or, or I think, like from my vantage point, it's people are simply believing something that they want to be true. And then they're demanding evidence from someone to that it's to, that, to, to falsify it. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, no, so prove me wrong. And then when you offer the abundance of evidence that we have that their belief is wrong, yeah. then they're like, well, I don't believe that evidence. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it's like, well, well, wait a second. Like, you just asked us to present you evidence, and we did. And you're then claiming that the evidence is false, but you have no grounds to falsify it other than that you don't believe yes. that the contrary to your belief yes. is, in fact, possible. I heard you and because The earth of that, is flat. And because no, of that, not. we will not be I having Andy is. back on the podcast ever again. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's, That is totally fine with no, me, you But losers. actually, I think, uh, I think next episode, um, I might have a little something that's a little bit more evidence-based 
Is it going to be some other bad shit, crazy stuff like UFOs? Yes. No. God damn it, man. Oh, is it, wait, are we going to do sh- Are we going to do the Lemurians of Mount Shasta? Because we will is, get to the Lemurians. There is definitely no evidence for that. We'll see about that. We'll, <laughs> yes, we we'll will. Find little volumes. I want to fucking grab a Lemurian and put him in a bag. Let's when are we? Oh man, when are we going to do John McAfee and his like? crazy Belizean experience we'll we'll get to him so i wanted we're to just do previewing some upcoming yeah we're teasing yeah like i wanted to i feel like we've done like a couple kind of like very i mean i guess again technically because there's more like written history and like evid- he's putting evidence, air quotes around written history evidence, and evidence by evidence the way. that Factual things happen because they happen. Like all of those things had air quotes around them. Depending, yes. on, depending on the history books, you can't put you know air yes. quotes around written history. Depending on who's writing it, right? But so, like I said, that, you we, know we, that's true. You know that's true because people can just bullshit. We've like, done a couple big kind of meaty, meaty history histories. History. Uh, we've done a couple big meaty histories, and I feel like it's good to break that up with some. Perhaps shorter, you know, one episode uh, with a little bit of the the spooky ookies and mm. the a little bit more fancifuls, some of the urban legends and tall tales of the. I like, area. I like yeah, tall tales of the area. That's yeah. I like. I love that. And so yeah, I think I think next episode, this is something I think you'll be familiar with as well, being a a local boy. Oh okay. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm not a local boy, and I have no idea what we're going to be talking about. I, I, yeah, am a, I, can't, I can't wait I to find out. I am a local boy, and I have no idea what we're <laughs> Bam. Um, cool. Any last thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, uh, emotions? Uh, wait, I, wait, wait. Well, well go ahead, Anthony. So uh, I'm my, sorry. my only I'm sorry. last word, words were going to be, I just wanted to add, to, talking about the epistemological uh, uh, topic, um, I heard a really great quote just to add was we are going through an epistemological crisis we are it, yeah and we, i thought that i was like i felt that was like a really great i felt that it added like kind of added to what you were saying yeah no yeah, I, I I, we we absolutely are going through an epistemological crisis right now because the general public has become i think willfully ignorant of how we actually build legitimate knowledge and they in general seem to be like blindly accepting assertions from people without demanding any justification or evidence. And and by the way, despite my own personal political leanings, I don't see that only happening on one side of the political spectrum. And it's disturbing that, that people are simply just becoming so dogmatic and deeply entrenched in their preferred way of viewing the world mm-hmm. that first, I mean, first of all, they're not willing to have dialogue about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I'm not inviting dialogue about basic truths of how the world works. Like, to some degree, Which, as a scientist, sometimes we just have to shut that down and be like, nope, nope, this is not negotiable. Right, but that's like, kind of what's, like, like, expected. The earth is not fucking flat. Like, sorry. Yeah. It's not. Like, we do not have to have that conversation. It's not flat. Like, why are we fucking talking about this again? This is an ancient, ancient so like, why are you trying to repress? Story. Why are you trying to I'm repress not trying, that I, it, and I, it would be suppress, not repress. But I am not trying to suppress. <laughs> why are you trying to? Why are you trying to? Su- why are you trying to suppress me, bro? Now I'm trying to repress you. Caden's <laughs> <laughs> face right now was fucking classic. <laughs> I'm not actually entirely sure that that is accurate. What I said, but I like to think it is. But no, I. 
I whatever. I I don't see, even know. I started out particular you. rants, but there we go. You. That's right. See, that's your right. big science mm-hmm. brain. That's I, right. right. I think. But oh, well, the epistemological crisis yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, it's it, it's I, I I we we need to. Uh, I think we need to arrive at some sort of détente about like the acceptability of people just simply making up wildly speculative ideas and, and asserting them as truths. Like we just need to like, as a society say, we're not going to accept that. Like we demand rationality at least from people that are in uh, positions of power. I mean, if you, if you want to go off to like asking some sacred temple or whatever with, with a group of gullible like congregants and just make up some wacky shit and do that in your own privacy like that's fine and in fact i admire that i I think people need that um but but like when it's being like bandied about in in like halls of power that that have really really deep impacts both locally and globally like it's dangerous it is no yeah we need uh logic and reason should be the rule of law. There's a reason why our Constitution mandates tepar- separation of church and state. Unfortunately, it doesn't mandate separation of state and lunatics. Yeah, unfortunately. Hey. hey, I think that's a good place to end. <laughs> <laughs> but is our is our program brought to us tonight by any real or fake sponsors? Oh, oh, let's make up a sponsor. Uh, it's brought by. I got nothing. <laughs> Our program tonight was brought to you by Glade Cashmere Woods. When a skunk stinks up your recording studio and you need to try to render it to some sort of human tolerable level. Cashmere Woods. Cashmere Woods. This uh, episode is brought to you by your own existential crisis. That's right. You are going to die one day. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, is that it? Do yep. Have, do you want to plug all our the the social media stuff that exists? Rate, review, subscribe. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, SoundCloud. Um. Yep. If you haven't already uh, liked our Facebook page, Valley of Hearts Delight, just p- type that into the Facebook page search bar. Give us a like. Uh, we post all of our episodes there, and um, yeah, yeah. Email, 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 email. If you have any, any ideas, thoughts, comments, criticisms, yeah. uh, if you write a wish list that you would like to go to Santa, we will bring that to him. Um, if you have any recipes for uh, a really good, nice tart kind of savory apple pie send that to us right on uh or or something using a good pennsylvania rye whiskey Ooh, that changed the game yeah uh so anyway send that to v o h d podcast at gmail.com that's v as in valley o as in of h as in hearts d as in delight podcast at g as in gmail mail.com have Thanks. we gotten any email? Nope. I mean, other than like, not, not from listeners, <laughs> <laughs> not from anyone. Yeah, like, from new, from numerous yeah. uh, other that's, that's, random sources. That's so sad. Please, someone send us an email. Yeah, Just do friends, it. <laughs> take some time. Yeah, talk, ask us, talk to us. Uh, yes, Spreaker. 
whatever. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, and yeah, mm. you know, spread spread the word. You know, maybe re- recommend us to a friend who you think might like would like it. That'd be cool too. Anyway. Yeah. Recommend them or uh, uh, time to a chair in your basement and make them listen to us. That's kind of what Anthony did to me the other day. With, I, uh, how about this? My wife, <laughs> my wife said that. That's weird. It was genius. Our podcast is genius. What? I know. I was. I kind of was totally unbiased what? opinion. I told. Was she drunk? No. And I, I said that same thing. I was like, "Oh, you're just saying this." She said, "No, it was so good." So uh, yeah, I'm. You know, I'm, I'm pumping our tires here. Wait, which episode boys. did she listen to? Susan Polk, I think. Two. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, shit. I know. I was, wow. I don't know. She, yeah, she's been listening when I come home. Damn. You would think that she would never want to hear your voice again you, after you leave. Yeah, right? you That's would think. strange. You would, you would think. <laughs> you would think. That's why she loves me, apparently. I love you. All right. We love you. We all love all you. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.